Today on The Breakdown, it's one of those hands. You know the kind where Bryn Kenny's involved. You know Bryn Kenny, right? He's only the greatest, most moneyed player in the history of poker, at least in terms of, you know, wins, live tournament winnings. That's impressive, though. As of this recording, something like $55 million. It ain't nothing. Well, he's playing a hand against Brandon Steven. Famous rich guy? Well, rich guy. I don't know if he's famous. He's on TV. <laughs> Any hoots. Uh, they're playing cash, though. It's from Poker After Dark on Poker Go, and it is not from that, apparently, at all. High stakes poker from Poker Go. Does it matter? What's the difference, anyway? They're just different names of the same. It's just a cash game, right? What's the difference? Grant's just staring at me. Don't answer. No one needs to know. I'm sure we're going to get tweets telling me what the difference is. Maybe one of them is six-handed. Anyway, I think Friday Night Poker. Who cares? Uh, the point is this. Bryn Kenny's going to do what Bryn Kenny does, which is make other people's lives very difficult, especially the wealthy. <laughs> He's going to do it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. <laughs> Bryn Kenny or Karl Marx, champion of the proletariat, (laughs) going to make the wealthy's life difficult. The problem is Bryn Kenny is now among the wealthy for real. Well, that's the problem with being the champion of the proletariat. Eventually, they're like, you know what? Let's give this guy some money. And then you're like, oh, you know what? Fuck the proletariat. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I want to buy some paintings and shit. I think there's a point in everyone's life where they stand in front of the mirror and they say, I've become what I beheld. That happens to me on like a <laughs> weekly basis, maybe bi-weekly, yeah. depending on what's going on in my life. You know, pandemic slowed it down a little bit. Sure. Fewer interactions in person with people. Mm. Grocery store, though. I go to the grocery store, and then often I, I go home and I go to the mirror and I say that. <laughs> because... What is it that you say? I become what I beheld. <laughs> 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 and then I, then I uh, silently weep a single tear yeah. and make intense eye contact with myself in the mirror. Until I finally fall asleep. <laughs> and is there any, when you realize that you have indeed become what you've beheld, yeah. uh, is there any, uh, what do you feel? I would call it uh, kind of an umami flavor. Huh. And an ennui. <laughs> ennui, sure, yeah. sure. And uh, an overarching sense of like low tone sadness. It's as if the world's in black and white. Yeah. You know? It's as if all the sounds are dampened, like I'm wearing a wet towel on my head and watching a Citizen Kane on mute. <laughs> I don't know. Huh. That went to a weird place. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, but that's fine. So I think when people stand in front of the mirror... Become what they behold. Yes, when that happens. Which is a non-gibberish phrase. Yeah. Well, also, by the way, it isn't, it isn't when they become what they behold. It's when they realize that they've become what they behold. Right? That's different. It's the realization. But what is becoming anyway? <laughs> I mean, when you stand in front of the mirror, you know. It's like yeah. pornography. You know it when you see it. Yeah. Right? Uh, now, I think there's different reactions to that, right? Some people would then change and mm-hmm. no longer be what they beheld. They would, they would go back to being what they did not behold. Yes. Unbeholding. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> others would just stare at themselves for long periods of time, intense eye contact, in shame. Yes. Go to sleep, Mm -hmm. repeat, rinse, wash, repeat, right? Yeah. Um, Classic. Still others might feel so much personal hatred that they might might do things that were deeply embarrassing to them or others, right? 
do some of do some people who have the personal hatred do they have kind of like that dramatic movie scene where they punch the mirror and then they start like breaking stuff in their house stuff that they own that yeah. they don't need to break at all but they just need something to change so they have to break everything I think it's great that in movies and TV shows when they want us to know that a character's upset they have the character destroy things because you know now we know and usually it's after we've already seen and we're sure the character's upset and then they like clear off a table have you ever cleared off a table? No. Now, I was just thinking about... I was The gears were turning as you were saying this. Yeah. I was thinking, like, of course that's ridiculous. Jonathan's right. Like, movies have people breaking, you know, whatever glass they're drinking out of. They're throwing it against the wall. You know, Mike McDee does that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that happens all the time in movies. Yeah. And I've time. never seen it happen, and I've never done it. You and I are probably more even killed than a lot of the angry people out there. You know, there are angry people in the world who yeah. may just break things. That's true. I also wonder if at times the art actually influences life a little bit. Like by seeing that enough times in movies and stuff like that, if sometimes people, when they're angry, that's like a way that they know that they can express it and they go to that. Yeah, kind of how there was no language when movies were silent and then they they made them talkies. <laughs> they made them talkies and then all of a sudden yeah. everybody started copying that. Yeah. Um, I will say this too that sometimes I get frustrated at my computer because things take a little too long. You don't. You're not. You're not good. That's like no. if you guys want to see Jonathan angry, <laughs> send him like a computer from 1999 and and somehow create a scenario that forces him to use that computer. I mean, 1999. How about 2014? That'll well, do it. Yeah. Oh my god. So like I, you know, I've got my wireless mouse and I click on something and I'm forced to wait for you know three seconds longer than you're supposed to, or in my mind you're supposed to. And I sometimes do get the urge to take the to the mouse that I'm holding to just throw it across the room as hard as possible. But I don't of course do it, but I do feel that urge a little bit. So maybe that's just some people let, like you're saying, I'm slightly more even killed than someone who does throw the mouse yeah. or maybe a lot more even killed. I don't know. Like I'm not actually going to throw them. It might also just be that you don't like losing money in any capacity and you know, that mouse is worth the money and you have to buy a new mouse, but that isn't really what it is. That, that is all true, but that is not what it is. It's that I'm not that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not the guy who breaks stuff when he's angry. Like, that's just not my identity. And yeah. so, so I'm not going to be that guy. Like, I'm going to be upset in my own way, which is usually to quietly stew or talk about it. You know, I like to yap about it. Maybe that could be a new podcast. Yap about it. <laughs> <laughs> How you feeling? Bad? Well, why don't you just yap about it with us right now, right here? You got to have that accent the whole time. Yeah, it's like we're sort of in Boston, or it's like it's like a, a movie that that's like about a, people from Boston. It sounds more like you're doing Woody Allen to me. Woody Allen? Wow, yeah. that's a really, really careful way of saying Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I, I was hearing Woody Allen when you were doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. <laughs> I was going for like the Mark Wahlberg uh, Ted accent, though. Yeah. But I guess I guess the Boston accent is more like I hereby declare today to be snow day kind of a thing. Yeah, that's right? that's yeah, that's, that's the Kennedy Act, JFK right. accident. Accent, excuse me. I don't know if you're aware of this, by the way, Jonathan. But if you ever actually succeed in your attempts to paint me as an anti-Semite, yeah, it's bad for the brand. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, you don't understand. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, cool. like it'll be such a glorious moment when like the you know the Jewish anti defamation league is like <laughs> right, you know, writing tweets about us and retweeting things about you and us and it's we're and we literally and you know our sponsors all leave us and all these things. Like that'll be a moment of victory for me. That's like Rourke at the top of the building at the end of the fountainhead, you know. I did it. <laughs> there are no obstacles remaining. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> By the way, sorry for those Fountainhead spoilers, but the book came out like in the 40s. So, 
Yeah, you know, I don't give a shit. Great, great book. Anyway, <laughs> okay. It's anyway. only been eight minutes. What else can we bullshit about? We don't have to bullshit. No, about we stuff. do. Can't we talk about this hand? Because Bryn yeah. Kenny's in it, and there's always going to be a lot. Ah, uh, Bryn Kenny and his sense of ennui. His oh, you think Bryn Kenny's become what he's beheld? It's possible. There was that time he wore a kimono, kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> don't you think that means something? The only time I can think cry someone, for help, someone did that was uh, Rob Lowe and Thank You for Smoking. But that was like in his home, and it was implied that he wore it regularly. But Rob we were, Lowe was in Thank You for Smoking. Yeah, he played uh, some guy, some exact. I think the boss, the smoke, okay. the, the, the the company he worked for. The I remember the, liking that movie a lot. Oh yeah, it's great. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's great. Cool. It was a it was a bold film, you know, that took a different approach of like. Yeah, this is what we're doing. This is this is our guy. He's not going to grow. It's an antihero. There, there are people like this, and this is, and we're going to fun with it. And they did, and it was it was delicious. As opposed to now, I'm now we're getting now into we're it. in it. So the Netflix just re- released a movie called I Care a Lot, um, which has among other people in it Peter Dinklage, by the way, who is great as a Russian mobster. He's a good actor. Yep, he's threatening and wonderful and fun all at the same time. And it's a movie about basically only bad people like squaring off against each other, right? Like um, the, main, the main protagonist is a woman who takes advantage of elderly people in really horrible ways that are like, it's like actually horrifying. And at first I thought the movie was going to be awful, like awful to watch, like well-made, but like really hard to watch because I was going to be so upset. And then it turned out, oh, this is supposed to be fun because it's her up against this Russian mobster and like trying to outwit each other and potentially try and kill each other or whatever. And, uh, but like they couldn't pull it off. You know what I mean? Like wh- whatever. Because there was no redemption at all. Like, I, I remember Aaron Eckhart's anti-hero and Thank You for Smoking is at least kind of, like, glib and fun. It's glib, it's fun. Maybe part of it is that he's doing something that isn't... Well, it's bad. We know people do stuff like this, yeah. right? Like, so maybe, maybe that's part of it, too. It's, he's not the worst. You know, he's not, like, like imprisoning people, which sort of is what's happening. In right, sort of and it's, it's more like an opt-out situation than an opt-in situation, right? Like, it's like, well, I got this really high-paying job, and I guess now that I know the industry is so bad, if I were truly a great person, I would opt out. But, like, a lot of people aren't going to because it's such a good situation for you personally. Yeah, and of course it's legal, and we understand that there are advertisers who lie to us, and yeah. there are lawyers who lie to us, and, like, that's part of the deal. That's, that's their job, and we, we do sort of understand that as a society. And so, like, getting the, like, fun inside look at that, like... They're sort of forgiven because we know someone has to have that job. Yeah. I mean, you can still dislike them a little bit, but right. someone has to have you that job. You can absolutely be offended by their presence in society, right. but it, it's not the same as actively defrauding elderly people. Exactly. Like, this one was going way further than just defrauding them. Like, she was really doing horrible, mm. awful things that were, like, deeply criminal, like, to the point where I, like, I got kind of upset about it. You mm. know, like, I was actually upset for the first. And then I realized, that, oh, this movie's supposed to be fun. And then they, like, veered away. It was weird. Um, Thank You for Smoking does a great job handling that, though. And this movie is still watchable. It's still pretty good. It's like a B minus, but it could have been. It could have been great. It was just, just okay. Speaking, of, it could have been great. Yeah, Bryn Kenny's kimono <laughs> could have been great, but that Ed Hardy, right? Yeah, that was logo, a mistake. Really. That was a mistake. Yeah, it was like a decade late. Who knew that Ed Hardy made kimonos though? I Bryn Kenny knew. Yeah, he did. He might have commissioned it. It's a oh, it's a it's a singular thing. It's like an NFT, but in the real world. Very exciting. Yes. <laughs> That's what they call things. That's what they call things in the real world, like, like a piece of art that an artist has made. It's, yeah. People now are like, oh, yeah, it's like an NFT, but in the real world. It's an analog NFT. <laughs> NFT for those this, you don't Renoir know. This Renoir is like an analog <laughs> NFT. An NFT, of course, for those you don't know, is a non-fungible token, which means it's like a unique thing on, uh, in digital space, like on the blockchain. Yeah. 
So those there's are, like NFT, there's NFT art. And those NFT things are going to tank in value for sure. Anyway, some will, some won't. But anyway, let's not have that discussion now. Well, let's talk about the hand. There's All a right. hand to talk about. It is high stakes poker, which is you know unique. I mean, the distinction, I guess, from obviously there's a brand distinction. There's kind of a poker after dark and high stakes poker were on at the same time when they were originally airing. Yeah, uh, they weren't done by the same company at that time. And they weren't done on the same set at that time. But what else was different about them, really? When, when they were doing cash games, for example. Like, Poker After Dark had... Um, oh, it's a six-handed table. Six, That's it. Six-handed. Lower stakes. Typically lower stakes. Okay. I think when they did cash, though, it was higher stakes. It was pretty high, I think. Higher stakes than high-stakes poker? I remember Zygmunt playing on Poker After Dark... Uh, with Tom Dwan. Yeah, I think they might have had a couple games that were about the same as High Stakes yeah. Poker because I know High Stakes Poker went up to as high as 501k. And I think Poker After Dark probably had an episode or two like yeah, that as well. Yeah, they like bumped it up. I remember Zygmunt was down $300,000 and came all the way back to profitable in the week. You know, it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, Ivy was in that game too. Z- Tom Dwan, Phil Ivy, and Zygmunt are the three I remember from that six-handed table. Like, geez. Yeah. Anyway, so maybe that's the difference. One six-handed, one isn't. Maybe, maybe High Stakes Poker is a little higher stakes too. I'm just saying, like, they also have Friday Night Poker. I mean, are these really different shows? Not I don't know. Really? Are they using the old High Stakes Poker song? The ridiculous, terrible song? I'm all in. I got uh, the Ace of Jacks. I got the Ace of Diamonds. <laughs> I ain't holding back. The Ace of Jacks. I mean, you know, it, it's freeform. It's freestyle. <laughs> I'm all in. That guy, that singer, you know what? You got what takes to play High Stakes. You know him? He, uh, he looks himself in the mirror sometimes. Oh, you know? yeah. He says to himself... I've become what I'd be held. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like he's got a damp towel on his head and he's watching Citizen Kane. Anyway. Anyway. So here we are in high, high stakes, stakes poker, which they did bring back Gabe, Gabe Kaplan and oh, Adrian yeah. Benza. So that's high stakes poker. You know what? Okay. And you know, Brandon Stevens playing. I mean, Jesus, he would, you wouldn't catch him dead on poker after dark. No, no, he's <laughs> far too special for that. Bryn Kenny. Let's talk about him. Okay, great. He's going to open the hand. Oh, by the way, this was suggested on Twitter by Jenk 021. Whoa, that's new. It's that's a new, a new suggester. Congratulations, Jenk. Yep. yep. And uh, of course, Jenk included a link and a timestamp for the hand. That's how you have to do it. If you want to suggest a hand, here we go. Here we go. We are the poker guys on Twitter. Yeah. Green Kenny has 590K in his stack. I think it's going to be either 400, 800, or 501K. I didn't see what the blinds okay. were because he opens at 2,500, whatever. It's all the same now. Yeah. He's got Ace of Spades, Jack of Diamonds. He's plus one. Yep. He's got a lot of chips, 590K. That's a lot. Brandon Steven, not a pro. Not sure how he made his money, but he's had multiple... like business guy, CEO. Yeah, multiple guy. deep runs in the main event, though. I think that's right, yeah. So he, got some chops. Yeah, sure. He's in the cutoff. He's got 315K. He's going to do something a little unconventional. He's going to three-bet the Jack-10 of hearts to 8,500. What do you think about this as a plan against a player like Bryn Kenny? I think I like it. Um, I think calling is fine, too, because then you get to, you know preserve like depth although depth isn't good even though you're in position yeah. when you're up against Bryn Kenny Jack 10 suited is like the ultimate calling hand though it is the ultimate calling hand it's true it's hard to argue it is an amazing calling hand yeah uh but this gives you a little bit more board coverage uh for your three bets I mean you might as well have six seven suited instead yeah I agree I mean maybe he's gonna have some of those yeah. too Jack 10 suited blocks a little bit of things that Bryn Kenny can have that six seven doesn't block I mean, jacks and tens are not that huge of a deal blocker-wise. A little bit, an ace-jack. I mean, it's not much. Yeah. But it's a little bit. I mean, Bryn Kenny, I mean, you have to size this big, otherwise Bryn Kenny's calling with everything. But even when he does, we're going to win a lot post-flop. What do you think about the sizing? 8,500 over 2,500? 
I think it is probably not enough. I assume Brandon Stevens is pretty deep, too. 315. Yeah. Um, I think we just have to make it more if we want to have any chance of folding him out. 10K? You want a four exit? Do a full four X? Yeah, I do. I don't know if he's going to fold even then, but yes, I want to. I want a four exit. Yeah. In these cash games, I feel like people just usually don't fold to three bets in these spots. Like right. they just don't care. That's a, that's quite an argument against three betting yes. with this wonderful speculative hand against a guy who's going to four bet us way too much and is also going to make our lives tough post flop yeah. a lot of the time. Actually, with all that said, yeah, we should just really call. I mean, normally we would, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of this said, folds back to Kenny. Ace jack off when you're in early position and you open and you get three bet. It's not a great spot and typically should be a fold, right? Absolutely. Um, this is one of the few hands that I think we really would successfully fold out. Uh, yeah. This is maybe the best hand we would fold out. This probably is exactly the best hand we would fold out a lot. Uh, but I guess Bryn thinks things because he doesn't fold, of course. Yeah. Uh, I guess he thinks, A, I'm just so much better than this guy. It's not as important. I can, I can widen my range a bit. And B, like, we're super deep, so it's not as big a deal either. Yeah. It's okay. And uh, being deep is especially good for Brent Kenny because not only then does he have, like, the speculative part of being really deep, right? Like, I can win more, but also I can put more pressure on him. And when you're Brent Kenny, you put a lot of pressure on people, so I could see that being like, well, I'm not folding. I, could, I sort of get it. You would think that this could be a candidate for a four-bet. Yeah, I was, as, that was uh, going to be my next thing is, like, because Kenny does end up calling. Yeah. feels like a four-bet is better than a call. Ace Jack Off is just the ultimate reverse implied odds hand. It's it also it's kind of a bomb four bet hand in that like you block jacks. Now you've just been three bets, so blocking yeah. jacks matters a little yeah. bit more, right? You have the ace in your hand too. If you're up, I mean, sure there are hands that are problematic here, but like it's a pretty great four bet bluffing hand. You would never do that with Ace Queen. Ace Queen's too good, but Ace Jack is like just not good enough really to continue with most of the time here. So I, I think a four bet is probably better than a call. In most cases, but if you're Brent Kenyon, you want to preserve your de- the depth advantage. Yeah, like you feel like you've got so like the fact that you're 300k deep is a real really helps you win the hand. Four betting isn't so good. Yeah, maybe Brent Kenny is just like okay. Anytime any of the invited whales in the game three bets me, I'm certainly not folding. I'm playing this pot with them, and I'm going to try to play post flop against them. Yeah, and that's probably a reasonable strategy for a guy like Brent Kenny. It probably is. I, I'm sure it is. Like, I mean, how much better is he than Brandon Steven? It's. I mean, I don't know if orders of magnitude are a proper way to discuss it because I think they're on opposite ends of a spectrum. So. Right. And, in, and Brandon Stevens, we're not saying is bad. Yeah. Just Brent Kenny's that good. Right. Right. I mean, he's crazy good. He's good. He, he lives to make everyone's life hard, and he doesn't care who you are. He does yep. it against everybody. So, like, of course he's going to do it to Brandon Stevens, too. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, Brandon Stevens should probably just be calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of this said, I wouldn't advise opening ace check off in early position and then calling a three bet most of the time, especially when you're going to be out of position for... They're not sitting next to each other? No. Okay. No, they're not. Okay. Um, yeah, I wouldn't either. No, I think ace-jack-off is actually one of the easiest folds in this spot. Right. Because like, when we're opening... Cause the, what else are we opening in early position that are obvious folds? Like king-jack-off, yeah. probably king-queen-off, stuff like that. Dep- again, depending on how deep you are. If you're deep I'd, enough, you can call everything. I think I'd rather have king-queen-off deep than ace-jack-off. Because it could just make more good hand types easier to flop straight draw stuff like that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think they're both pretty similar though, and they're both strong candidates to fold. Like you just let it go, you put in two and a half lines or whatever, and you move on yeah. to the next hand mostly, right? Unless you get someone who's three betting you a lot, and then you four bet them. Sure, but it's Brink Kenny. He wants to play post flop against yeah. against the amateur, and uh, that's reasonable. I can't, I can't 
get on him for that, man. Yeah. Do you think it would have worked if Steven had made it 10K or this is just like Kenny's just like, I'm just playing this guy deep stacked. I'm not folding. I do not think it would have worked. I think they're deep enough that it just doesn't matter. $1,500 more to bring Kenny, who like bought in half his freaking net worth on that one tournament, like the million dollar buying tournament or whatever. Like, There's a number though. Like if Steven makes it 15K. 15K Kenny might fold. Yeah, but Steven probably isn't doing that. No, there's no point. I mean, it's a, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that would be significant. Yeah. Anyway, Bryn does call. Yeah. I mean, and uh, you should call Nitrogen on your telephone. Call them up with, on your rotary phone. Rotary telephone. Only, only that, though. No other phones. Correct. Yeah. You can only... The, there's, the, there's one bad thing about Nitrogen Sports. Yeah. And that is that there's only two ways to access it. One is using a rotary phone, <laughs> and the other is any internet-connected device. Right. Yeah. Actually, I was succeeding with the fax machine, but I think they recently took that off. They they discontinued. I think it was nitrogen six point two. Yeah, and uh, so now they're in their beta of eight point two. They removed the fax machine support. It sucks. Uh, soon they will no longer communicate with you only via Morse code. They'll start using <laughs> typed language. Let me tell you, it was really great to play poker via fax machine too, because you know, like you, you like, like raise, <laughs> raise, and you put it. <laughs> you like wait, wait, wait. You it's know. fun. It's like a slow fantasy football draft. It is very much like that. Yeah. Yes. Except the timer. The timer. You often time out. I will say. I think we just stumbled upon a new concept. Slow poker. That that exists already. Oh yeah, it's existed for it many, does. since the internet since email existed. That existed. It yeah. sounds pretty boring. It, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Especially with solvers now, you just like find the perfect solver play uh, and like yeah. Anyway, all oh, of that nitrogen, nitrogen. Yeah, we're talking about nitrogen <laughs> sports. And uh, the second, I guess, more people probably have internet connected devices than than rotary telephones. So I mostly mean, they're going to now. Mostly they're going to use those to to uh, click that link to access nitrogen that's in the podcast description. It's also in our pinned tweet. Yeah. When you use that link, you get access to the monthly Poker Guys tournament. It's a great deal. A thousand buy-ins are guaranteed. They cap the player pool at 300 players. That means there's at least 700 buy-ins added every month. It's a great, wonderful thing. We love it. It makes us happy. It's also a uh, sports betting site, Jonathan. You can bet on sports. Yeah, well, guess what? This is coming up before March 5th, right? Yeah. Well, good, because here's the thing that people are going to care about. They're doing a round of Nitro Brackets with a free entry for all you Poker Guys listeners out there. For March Madness, of course. Yeah, for March Madness. There's a $300 prize pool that's just free. You get to play. You fill out a bracket. You finish in the top five. You get free money. Yeah, more information coming on that, but you got to use the link in the description to access that as well. Yep. Um, just you can follow it on Twitter. If you if you look at us on Twitter, we'll be we'll be tweeting about this. So there's that. There's all sorts of other sports betting. It is Bitcoin only, and they don't fuck around with your money. When you want to withdraw, you get it in 90 minutes. That's a pretty damn fast way to withdraw from it's, a from a betting site. It's very very fast. Just like the rotary telephone. You know, you know what's ironic is ni- nitrogen used to uh, to talk shit about places that paid out so fast, and then they, one day they realized. They became what they be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's how you do an ad. All right, so nineteen <laughs> k in the pot right now. Yeah, real money. Bryn Kenny has ace jack off, ace of spades, jack of diamonds. Brandon Steven three bet him with jack ten of hearts is in position. The flop is seven of diamonds, eight of hearts, ten of diamonds. Pretty damn good flop for Steven. The gut shot, backdoor flustra, and top pair. Bryn checks. Steven bets 10K. Is this a board that if you're playing a little bit more balanced, you're supposed to check back? 
as the three better? I'm not so sure. I mean, I guess Kenny definitely has better coverage of this board than we do. Yes. But we as Brendan and Steven may have all the sets here. May, yeah. If we're three betting Jack Ten of Hearts, we probably we might be three betting pocket sevens, at least a fair amount of the time, right? And to get Bryn heads up in position and stuff, it's possible. I mean, that doesn't remove those from Kenny's range though. Of course it doesn't. I'm just saying like I'm just saying like we also have the sets, at least a fair amount of the I time. I mean, that's a stretch though, right? We know that Brendan's even three bet Jack Ten of Hearts, we yeah. I would I would venture a guess that far less than fifty percent of the time is he three betting these three pocket pairs. Tens well, probably tens. probably more than fifty percent, yeah. but the other two are probably far less than fifty. Yeah. Um I feel like against Bryn Kenny. I feel like we have like all the big over pairs though, and Bryn doesn't have as many of them, at least. Right, right but getting check raised with the big over pairs sucks on this board. That's part of why a lot of people would check. Yeah, but against Bryn Kenny, it's not as bad. Right, but I mean, like, you have 315K in front of you. Do you want to put it all in eventually? Against Bryn Kenny? I mean, do I'm you... I'm open to it. Yeah, I'm open to it, too, but it's it's a high-variance proposition. And Absolutely. And his story adds up if he starts check-raising now. He can yeah. have any of the suited connectors that made two-pair or a straight here, plus all the sets. Yeah, he can have that stuff. It's true. He... Okay. I don't know who actually has the range advantage because we've got all the, the strong over-pairs. Um, but it's at least possible Bryn does. Bryn's got a top-end range advantage, right? Like, he probably yeah. has 6-9 suited. He definitely has Jack-9 suited. Yeah, that's true. No question. Uh, and he probably has more of the sets because he has all the sets. Yeah. He has every combo of the sets, probably, yeah. and there's no way Steven does. Right. I don't think Bryn Kenny's forbidding any of the pocket pairs that have made a set on this I board. don't think so either. Yeah. So that's that's fair. Um, that said, we're almost always ahead anyway, right, as Bryn and Steven. Yes, I mean, so I'm, I'm just talking about I'm just talking about balance in general. Yeah. Like, now most pe- most players aren't going to have 100 percent check back boards. Some players are, and if you, if you don't have 100 percent check back, maybe this is a candidate to bet. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think are the best types of hands to bet if you're only going to bet a small percentage of your three betting range on this board? Hmm. Okay. Uh, flush draws. It. Flush draws makes sense. Yeah. Certainly combo draws. Like yeah. If we have like the Ace Jack of Diamonds. Diamonds. That would make sense, right? Uh, I guess if we have two nines, that would make sense to bet here, right? Sort of. Because we want to deny equity. I'd rather have A9 than two nines, like Ace Nine or King Nine suited that we three bet if we're going to bet. Because why? We can bluff catch against Brinkenny with two nines later. It's easy. We can, but we're also, we have a lot of cards that are, well, yeah. not that many. We got, we got three, three ranked cards that are really problematic, right? Yeah. Um, not including actually our, our, the other two nines in the deck, which may end up being problematic too, depending if the board pairs, of course. Right. Um, but yeah, ace, kings, and queens all suck. That's a lot of cards. That's 12 cards. You know, that's 25% of the deck. Now you're talking about jack 10 again, right? No, I'm talking about pocket nines. Oh, pocket nines, okay. Um, the other thing about pocket nines is, you know, like if we were to improve in any way, the board's going to be really rough and either it's going to be hard to get action or it's going to be tough for us if we like hit a nine and the board doesn't pair. Yeah. And so like putting money in now is probably better. But I don't think we should be betting that much of our stuff, having said the question. Uh, first of all, I don't think we should be betting almost any of like our big aces. Not too many. Maybe like ace, king of spades or something. Yeah. Just, just like, give up. Just check back and hope for something good yeah. on the turn. Um, okay. If we're doing that, we obviously need to check some of our, our made hands too. So we can check some of our over pairs. I think the bigger over pairs are better to check. Right, because we yeah. have less to worry about. Also, if we have jacks, for example, we have a gut shot. Yeah, so it's that's kind of easier cool. to call a check raise with jacks. Yeah. Um, the question becomes: I think the most interesting kinds of hands are, is both the hands, like the big over pairs, a little bit, and then the hand just like 
Brandon Steven actually has, where he has top pair and a gutter. He blocks the nuts. And there's a bunch of cards that could come that are going to be, there's 12 cards that are problematic yeah. know, from his point of view. Um, maybe more, but at least those. Where like, do we really not want to put money in? Now it is Bryn Kenny, but bluff catching doesn't suck here. No. Like, he's probably going to bet twice if we check, yeah. right? But if we bet, he may put a lot of money into because he's Bryn Kenny. True. It's his, it's his board more than ours. He's going to have to have a reason to put money in, though. He's not just going to have four or five of spades and put money in. I agree with that. You know, so like the reasons for him to put money in are inclusive of many hands that beat us. Yeah. And are, are sensible within his range. Sure. But then there's also like if he has a nine, he might check raise. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's going to check raise or make our lives tough with one pair. That seems unlikely. No, I don't think so either. But uh, I don't know. The question is, what's he going to do with like all his millions of gut shots that he has, which isn't that many when we have a jack in our hand, really, right? No, a he doesn't have too many sixes in his range. And he may not be that excited to check raise a six anyway, because no. a nine coming means that like a jack is beating him. Right. He may not love that. Yeah. Uh, so it would really be just jacks. We've got three jacks. There's only three jacks left, so he might be not as interested. So maybe that makes it not as big a thing in terms of what else is he? Oh, he's got the flush draws. Of course he can check raise too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's okay to bet this, but I think it's a fair question. Uh, like, and maybe we should be checking this. I don't know what a solver would say. I'd be curious. Yeah, me too. Um, it's, I think it's close. I think you go down one of two paths with this hand. Like you bet, if you bet it's for equity denial and also like you're calling a check raise, even though it's, Oh my God, you a hundred percent are. But it sucks. Or you go the slightly lower variance route of yeah. checking back and basically calling unless the two worst cards in the deck come when Bryn bets. Um, yeah, okay. That, I think it's fine either way. I imagine if I was actually sitting there, I would probably check because, you know, I don't like $300,000 is a lot of money to me and I wouldn't want to put it all in if I didn't have to. That's not ever a good reason to do anything in poker. Okay, but I'm just being honest. Yeah, no, I know. I know that. Like we've already been talking about op- being optimal. Now I'm talking about like real, yeah. being real here. Like the real world on MTV. You know, stop, stop. Yeah, it's just getting... not, it's not an analytically useful thing to say. Um, right, yeah. right. But you know, I'm being practical. Okay. Practically, I would check. I would, I would, I would default to checking because it's because I'd be doing pot control, and I think that's that's reasonable, not for my reason, but I think it's a reasonable thing anyway. So, it'd be, it's even easier to check as a result. I mean, if you're being practical, you shouldn't go to Applebee's and order all the apps, but they're so delicious. You have to. You have to. <laughs> that's not about practicality. <laughs> no, of course not. Anyway, Stephen goes with the bet. He bets 10k. I don't think I can fault him either fine. way. Yeah. Guess what's going to happen. Bryn Kenny's going to fold and the hand's going to end. No, Bryn Kenny's going to check race. He's, he's going to make it 35K because he's Bryn Kenny and he has a gut shot. So he's trying to fold out ace, queen, and ace, king, and maybe put pressure on big pairs that will fold later, hopefully. But he's Bryn Kenny. Yeah. How's he going to fold out a big pair? So he's, so he's really just trying to get auto folds from the hands that are dominating him right now. Now, we talked about this off podcast, mistakenly. We, th- we can talk about it now on yeah. podcast. You're always of the opinion in Bryn Kenny hands, and you use him as like your avatar for yeah. aggress- aggressive elite pro. Where you're like, oh yeah, it's easy to fix that guy. You just call all the time, and it's over. I like, didn't. Well, I don't. I don't. That's kind of the implication, isn't though? No, no. My implication is like that's the best strategy if you're if you're a normal okay. person. Like, just don't fold until they until they deeply adjust to you. Like, if you're not sure, fucking call if you have something because it's them and they they have all the bluffs. That's yes, it's, it's a little different than it's easy. And admittedly, we've win. done a lot of Bryn Kenny hands where he ends up not having it. That yeah, those are those are flashy hands that we end up doing. But all of that said, 
it's not like you're the only person who's thought of this and he has immense success and continues to. Yes. It can't possibly be that simple to play against Bryn Kenny to just decide, okay, I'm just calling all the time whenever I have anything at all. Well, this is, and this is what I said right after I said this, you said, save for the podcast. Yeah. I said, everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face, you yes. know, and basically Bryn Kenny check raising you is the beginning of getting punched in the face. Yeah. It's easy to say, I'm not going to fold. It's another thing to face down three barrels of smoking chips. All right, that all sounds good, but yeah. do you think that matters to Christoph Vogelsang and people like that, like the punch in the face thing, like the truly elite pros who he is consistently mm. like outpacing? Like it's his, he's That's still plus question. EV against these guys. Yeah. Like there's something to his game that some nuance that we don't get to see in the little snippets of, right. of what we do that makes it so it can't possibly be profitable to just take that approach. Look, I am sure that he will get pretty quickly if you're calling him down light in those spots yeah. and adjust pretty, pretty massively. Like, I'm sure he'll do that, right? But if he thinks you're even a little bit balanced, <laughs> it feels like he's going to make sure he's balanced too, i.e. he's going to have a lot of bluffs in yeah. these spots because, you know, you're always getting a pretty good price. And I guess you could forex the pot or something, but like you're often getting, you know, you just don't need the guy to fold that often for it to be a good play if you bluff. And he's figured that out. If he has any kind of blockers, he's very interested in bluffing. We know that about him, right? And all I do, I hear what you're saying, but all I ever see when we do bring Kenny hands, and maybe we're just seeing a very selected, you know, curated group of them, admittedly, because they're the ones that people suggest to us. But all I ever see whenever he plays is Bryn Kenny makes a crazy bluff, not crazy, Bryn, Bryn Kenny makes a big bluff, I should say. And the pro who he's up against always faults. Yeah. Like 100% of the time. Like, I didn't know what happened in this hand. And Grant said to me, oh, Bryn, Bryn Kenny check raises the flop against Brandon, Brandon Steven. That's all I knew at that point. I didn't know the hands. I didn't know anything. And I said, oh, my God, Bryn Kenny definitely doesn't have it. Like, <laughs> there's no way he has yeah. it. I hope Brandon Steven doesn't fold. He should never fold. That's all I knew, right, without knowing anything. Yeah, but so, I don't think any of that refutes his success. Like, Of course it doesn't. But also, he's playing. This is all in tournaments, is where most of his success is. I mean, we don't know that. That's just well, his recorded. I mean, that's his recorded success. No one has gone around saying, you know, who the best cash game player in the world is? Bryn Kenny. Who's, no. I mean, who is saying who the best cash game player in the world is live? Um, I mean, people talk about that. They talk about it online because the numbers are available. Okay. But like people say, when they bring up the best tournament player in the world, you know, Bryn Kenny's name comes up, right? Yeah. So like it's a little like people I think people would say like well Phil Ivey's pretty goddamn good cash game player Doug Polk was a pretty good cash game player like whatever you know um, no one mentions Bryn Kenny now I'm not saying he isn't a great cash game player but maybe he's also using the tournament situations to his extreme advantage you know like like all the pros know all the math and they know like when they get in these ICM spots that they have to play tighter than they would normally play and they just fucking do maybe and he knows that too and he's just able to push them around I'm wondering I don't look know it's if this possible is true. it's possible that like. The the darkest level of your implication is that Brinkney is actually a losing cash game player, which I don't oh, think I don't think is what I, you're saying. No, of course not. Um, but I, it's possible that he is a losing cash game player at these super high stakes if he's being too aggressive and people actually are calling him down in these yeah. spots. But I doubt that. Look, we we did a hand. This was in a tournament when they were three three left. Dan Smith played against Brinkney, and Dan Smith called him down with Ace Ten off, and yeah. he had Ace Ten high on the river, and Brinkney. Really brilliantly, I will Made say. Made an incredible value bet. Yeah, he bet the turn and he bet the river with like fourth pair. Yeah. And he clearly was doing it for value. And it was awesome. Yes. So this is Bren knowing that like, okay, Dan's going to call me a little bit more and him getting value in a spot where you just couldn't normally get value, right? And no one would try. Yeah. So this is part of his greatness, I think. And what makes him work is that he's able to adjust pretty quickly and say like, oh, this is a guy who's going who's gonna to make some of these calls. So I'm going to get more. I'm going to value bet lighter and more against this guy and for more streets because... 
he's going to sometimes show up with like one bad pair or ace high and actually call me down. So I can bet third pair here and I'm going to bet not just on the turn, but I'm also going to bet the river and, you know, make a lot of money and I'm going to do it against these guys until, until this guy adjusts and then I can adjust back. Like, I think he's probably really good at making those quick adjustments. I think Vanessa Salps is probably similar. You know, obviously they've got a lot more going on than just this. Yes. Of course. Of course. Of course. They make good plans. They, they know what they've, they've, they're really smart about all this stuff. But I'm saying in a vacuum, when Bryn Kenny check raises you or makes a big play on the river, if you have anything, you should probably call. That's what I'm saying. Until, until you know better, until he knows something about you, oh my God, you should probably call. Okay, let's remove your knowledge of who's making this check raise okay. for a second. Great. What do you think about this check raise without it being Bryn Kenny? Okay, good question. The thing I like about it is Ace Jack should be losing to everything right now, right? Yeah, I mean, Steven could have some king queen type hands, I guess. I guess he could. Um, I get. I guess he could also have somebody could have like Ace Nine suited or a bad a bad suited Ace. Yeah, but that's it. And it's possible Brandon actually knows that Brandon doesn't have almost any of those, even though he has Jack Ten suited here. Maybe he knows like Brandon doesn't three bet much. You know, isn't yeah. betting like that often at least. So we can, we can remove a bunch of those. Um, so since we're losing it, if not his entire range, almost Brandon Stevens' entire range right now, this is an interesting idea. If we don't want to fold, then I guess we can't fold yet, right? Because we have a gut shot in two overs? Yeah, it's probably just a little too good, right? Even though our overs are questionable if they're good anyway. Yeah. That's the thing that sucks about this. Like, we hit an ace. Are we good? We hit the jack. Are we good? We hit a nine. Know. We're not really getting any value from Morse hands. Seems hard to. So this is, this is the real problem, I yeah. think. Is like, so, but we still have some value, and it's possible we're good with an... I would guess a lot of the time, if I was Bryn, I would think like an ace or a nine is probably good for me, and maybe I can win anyway sometimes. You know, the times an ace isn't good for me, I get to win right now because I can fill out ace-king and ace-queen. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And then I... So I actually make those outs more live for myself if I don't get folds right now. Do you and think I, it's more about the range advantage than all of that, though? Just the simple idea that like, I have all of these hands that hit this board. I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure the fact that he actually has a jack, so he blocks the nuts, is part of it too. Bryn Kenny might literally have every hand of value available on this board. 6-9 mm-hmm. suited, 7-10 suited, 8-10 suited, jack-9 suited, all the sets. Yeah. I think he's probably got all those in his range. That's probably true. So that's another good reason to raise. Yeah. And you definitely are going to get some snap folds here. Yeah. But not from Brandon Steven now, because Brandon no. Steven, of course, has top pair and uh, straight draw and backdoor flush draw. And it's Bryn frickin' Kenny. Seems easy enough. We have a no-brainer decision here as Brandon Steven. Yep, right? he makes the call. No argument for a three-bet, right? Like, turn the hand into a bluff. I don't know why we would. What are we trying to fold out? Bryn Kenny. Bryn Kenny what? Bryn, Bryn Kenny, Kenny owning us later. <laughs> I mean, right, because if yeah. we're turning our hand into a bluff, that means we're trying to fold out a better hand than what we have. We have top pair. No, no, we're trying to fold out his bluffs so we don't have to think well, about that's it. not a good i know plan. of course we can't do that that's, that's you know some amateurs do think that way i know no of course i mean we see we see lots of players i think make a play because they're afraid of having to make a decision about will i call or not so they make kind of a terrible play instead yeah. it's going to fold out all the get a game three same reason people like 12x with jack's pre-flop when that's not their right. normal sizing right? right they just don't want to think about it yeah the whole point is to think about it that's the whole thing no it's to scratch that gambling itch man well, it's harder to gamble if you take away the, you know, take away the guy's bad hand. Anyway, you know whatever. What? You can't talk to these people. They just won't listen. That's true. Anyway, Brandon Steven, of course, calls. Of course. Pot's 89K, 7, okay. 8, 10. Steven's got Jack 10. Kenny's got Ace Jack. Turns a Jack. 
I mean, that's a cool card. Jack of clubs. Yeah. Obviously a nine makes a straight now. Kenny has top top and Steven has top two. Is Steven happy about this card or sad? <laughs> I think Steven should be. Uh, it's really close. I don't know. I think we're maybe even neutral about this card because like the nine completes the flush draw misses. We're beating worst two pairs now. It's only seven, eight, seven, ten, and eight, ten. But yeah. But since he has them, yeah, we know he has them. Uh, I think we're supposed to be happy about this card. We actually now have outs against sets and straights and stuff like that, which we didn't before. I don't really like the nine getting there though. That's no, pretty I don't bad. either. But at least the flush draw missed. Yeah, that's good. That helps. It helps a little. Yeah. And there aren't that many nines that Bryn has that didn't have a piece of the board also, so they, they wouldn't have needed to check raise. Like, if he has eight nine, is he really check raising? Maybe sometimes, but probably not all the time when he has a pair with it, right? Probably it's some queen nine suited. Yeah, that's the place where ace nine suited, queen nine suited. I think those are the nines. Maybe that are even check king raising. nine suited. He's Bryn yeah, Kenny. Yeah, maybe. But, but those, those are the check raising hands. So, like, yeah. 10 nine, is 10 nine really check raising us? I don't think so. It doesn't, not usually anyway. Maybe, maybe seven, a little bit. Maybe seven nine is. Because the seven's so bad? Yeah. I mean, 10, 9, and 7, 9 play effectively pretty much. I guess, no, pretty much the same. We yeah, it's just a nines. distribution thing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Maybe, I, I'm sure a little bit he is check-raising one pair in an open-ender, right? At least a little bit. But probably not that often, at least, no, right? probably not. So that means we can eliminate at least a bunch of the nines. That's good. Sure. Sure. But yes, Queen Nine got Queen Nine is the one I'm sort of most afraid of for whatever reason. I feel like Queen Nine suited, like that really did get there. That doesn't really make way. any sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's because it's well, a longer, King, a longer straight and therefore scarier. No, no, no. Just because like King Nine off or King Nine suited, he could be playing, but he's more likely I think Bryn's more likely to open Queen Nine suited than King Nine but suited. But Ace Nine suited is the same. No question. But we have no we don't have an ace in our hand, do nope. we? Well, it's the same then. Ace nine suited is the same. Anyway, we've anyway. been talking about this card from from Brandon Stevens' perspective. It's more fun from Kenny's perspective because it's just a super weird spot now. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I have top top now. But he called the check raise, which means he doesn't have ace king or ace queen. No. So does this actually change my situation? And in fact, it does not. He's just as far behind as he was the hand. And if know, Steven has ace king before. or ace queen, he has of diamonds, right? Yes. And those are never folding if we bet and probably shoving, actually, if we bet on this card. Um, they certainly could. Yeah. They certainly could. Um, yeah, I don't think we should be thrilled about this card as Bryn Kenny. The only thing that's good about this card is it, a nine got there and we have more nines than our opponent. Right. Like, uh, we're still losing to over pairs, but over pairs are now terrified. So that's good. As exactly. Bryn Kenny. We, yeah, I think we're mostly up against over pairs here. That's what I would assume now. I'd be like, oh, it's Kings or Queens almost always since he called the check. So we're right? supposed to keep betting and we're supposed to, and it's clearly a bluff. It's not like equity denial. It's definitely not equity denial. Um, we're supposed to keep betting. The question is, are we going to successfully fold out? This is the interesting question. We're Bryn Kenny. We have this reputation of being the crazy bluffer guy, right? Are we going to successfully fold out kings if we keep betting? I mean, if we're not Bryn Kenny, we're supposed to successfully fold out kings. No question. But we are Bryn Kenny. So, yeah. like, how do we decide? If you're, if you're Jonathan Levy, forget the money for a second. Yeah. Let's say it's an amount of money that you're fine with losing. Okay. You're playing a 5-10 game against yeah. Bryn Kenny. Sure. So it's like, you know, it's, it's fine. It's a big bet, it, but it, and it would suck, but it's not going to change your life. Totally. Like, are you auto calling Kings if he bets big on the turn on here? On the turn? I'm definitely not auto calling Kings. There's no chance. I'm strongly considering folding, but because it's Bryn Kenny, 
I think I'm not folding. But what's, I think I'm holding on. But what what are we beating? Like he's the diamond got, draw. We're beating diamonds. Yeah, but that's it, right? That's a lot. Yeah, and and I guess a jack. We're beating a jack that's still bluffing. Yeah, or any other hand. Well, that's probably it. That would be bluffing. Yeah, you're right. Um, but the diamonds, I would say. I mean, maybe part of maybe what I do is I look and see if I have the king of diamonds in my my hand. Right. If I don't have the king of diamonds, I'd be much more apt to. Well, call. how many diamond draws does Kenny actually have? I mean, it's often it's often fewer than you think. But they, in this case, in this case, three, four suited, four, five suited, th- maybe, maybe three, five suited, five, six suited, four, six suited, queen, king, queen suited, ace, queen suited, ace, king suited. What else? You think he's got ace, king suited too much? I mean, he's four betting sometimes at least. Not that often, probably. When they're that deep, I would guess he's mostly calling out of position with it. Yeah. Against Brandon Steven, especially. Like, if it's Ike Haxon, maybe he's four betting more. I would think Brandon Steven, he's got more calls. Ace King suited, uh, Ace Queen suited, especially, has a ton of equity against Kings here. Yep. Not to say that you're supposed to fold if you see the hand, but like, it's not an ideal spot. No, of course not. But we're going to, you know, we're going to know where we're at, too. Like, like, if a diamond comes on the river and he bombs it again, we can probably fold, right? If a king comes and ace-queen makes the nuts, okay, we're, we're going to have to pay that off, and that's unlucky for us. There's probably something like 10 combos of diamonds that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, right? something like that. He's still got all the nines in his range that, yes. he, that he would play this way. He does. Which is probably around that amount, if not more. But that's it for value, right? Does he have sets still? He no. might... I mean, it's a three-bet pot. You don't have very many nines if you're the three-better. I just don't think a, a set would be really concerned about folding out with that card. You, you don't think you can get two more streets anyway. So a check here gives you a much better chance to get a So you think Kenny's only betting nines for value? And that better. is my belief. Okay. I mean, I, it's possible I'm wrong, and he's the sickest and has you know, a set of tens here and is, and is totally going for it. He's bringing Kenny. Maybe he is, but... I don't think so that often. Not all the time. Mostly not. I think against a guy like Brandon Steven, who's probably more apt to fold so the quick, Kings. So quick anyway. question. Are you advocating for Bryn Kenny giving up on this card because he's Bryn Kenny? This is what I'm wondering. Well, I'm not even advocating. I'm asking the question because I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I think the truth is this. Because he's Bryn Kenny, he would never give up on this card because he's Bryn Kenny, and he still makes it work. Yeah. Like, overall, right? Um like part of the greatness of the the really big time the good bluffers like the Victor Bloms of the world mm-hmm. is that everyone knows they're bluffing a lot and they get away with it anyway and you know you'll see that sometimes especially in like tournaments like thinking about this guy Mickey somebody or other who was just an amateur uh, in the World Series main event who just started opening every hand like on day two is this the guy who busted Wonka no that's a different that's Frankie Flowers oh Frankie I think. yeah. Um, no, this guy's name was Mickey something or other. And like for a little while, he was like a big folk hero because he was playing every hand and like winning. Yeah. You know, and it was, I don't know if he was the chip leader, but he was like doing really well. And I watched like, this is back when they were doing, you know, full day coverage of the WSOP, like day two stuff. Yeah. And they had his table for a while and he was literally opening every hand and it was just working. Everyone knew he didn't have it, but no one wanted to get involved anyway, you know? And so there's something interesting about how that works in poker where people don't believe you and still fold, you know? And so Bryn Kenny, get, like, He's the guy who like successfully pulls that piece off really well, I think. Okay. In the world. Yeah. So I guess in the end, if I'm Bring Kenny, I am going for it because I'm Bring Kenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But I wonder, I wonder about this stuff. Like the board just got very polarizing. Well, there's a, there's other things going on besides just being Bring Kenny here that make make it make sense to continue, right? Such as um, we're definitely losing. We're right losing now. for sure. And we definitely are telling a good value story. Yes. 
And also, if we were check-raising the flop, we weren't doing it just to fold out, you know, ace-king and ace-queen, right? We were also doing it to hit a nine sometimes. Yeah. And also, the times when a six or a jack comes, we can rep this, right? That's yeah. part of our value is that, like, we got more nines here. Yep. So it's, it, was, it makes more sense when a six comes because then we don't have anything. Right. But it's really all the same. We're still just bluffing. Yep. I, think, I guess I think we should go for it. I guess I talk myself into it. I feel dumb, though, if I'm Bryn Kenny, because I'm like, how am I ever getting this through? You know what that feels like. Yeah, right? but if you're not Bryn Kenny, you expect an overpair to fold on this card. Yes, I do, if you make a real bet. Well, Bryn Kenny makes a real bet. He bets Good. 69K into 89K. That's a real bet. Brandon Steven does not have an overpair. He is top two. Yeah. 7, 8, 10, Jack. He can improve to a full house. That's, that's a nice little release pin that you can hit. You know, yeah. every once in a while, Absolutely. just in case you're losing, right? Yeah. Like you, could, you have the nuts for the second nuts if you, if you improve. Bring me that sweet, sweet 8%. Yeah. So that makes it impossible to fold, right? That and just distribution. Um, yeah, I think that's probably right. Because like, we're, we're not beating his value. We're not beating his value, but like this is a better hand than aces and kings and queens now somehow, yeah. which is like, kind of weird, but it, that's where we are. And yeah. It's not and, only and it's not only house. better. I think it's it's very important to realize that we can improve to a full house, right? You know, like that that makes a big difference. It's, it certainly helps. Now we only get there, like I said, eight percent of the time, or maybe it's nine. Yeah. You know, but so like that isn't good enough, right? But that extra nine percent is probably enough because Bryn's going to give up sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to hero call and win, mm-hmm. and sometimes like right now, if if Bryn doesn't improve, uh, we'll hero call and win. I guess an ace could come in. That wouldn't be so good. Um, so those two, and then we make a full house sometimes too. And you put that all together, that probably means we can call. Right. And this I is think just, we have to call. It's too good of a hand to fold against Brendan Kenny. It's just too high in the distribution. hundred percent. I don't believe he's betting this, but I might talk myself into is Brent Kenny going for super sick value with the worst two pair here? Could he ever be doing that against my aces? I could definitely talk myself into that. Yeah. Uh, especially if I had the aces, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if like, am I yeah. gonna be like Getting just completely owned by thin value. Oh, how bad would that be? You make yeah. the call, and then he bets big on the river, and you think, and you think, and you think, and you finally put him in the call, and he's like, you know, 7-8, seven, 7-8. Seven, eight, eight, seven, eight. Yeah. And you're like, nice fucking hand. You just destroyed me. That's so awful. I feel so can beat. I, can I borrow some money? I'm so <laughs> sad right now. Yeah. Yeah. You literally pipped me. It's one pip better. And you knew it. <laughs> yeah. You bastard. So I don't think we can fold. Well, Brandon Steven does not. He calls. Yeah. You don't feel great, but you just have to call. Pot's big. 227,000. What's the effective stack, Brandon Steven? Yeah, he started with 315, so I think he's got about 200 remaining. Okay, so a pot size bet left. So when we call the turn, are we planning on calling most rivers? I don't know. I think we should know that before we call the turn, though, right? Probably. Now, we should probably fall to a diamond river. Absolutely a diamond. And maybe, maybe sometimes aces, kings, and queens. Sometimes, like... In case some weird stuff is afoot here, like an ace would beat us, as we see. It's just so hard to believe that would that would be in play. It is, but I'm. It's just the only type of card that could make him beat us. Yeah, it's just so weird to think he's got like king eight suited in like or king ten suited and check raised the flop, and now you know. I guess it could be king jack, as we see. Yeah, but like so hard to think that that also when we have a jack in our hand, you know. It is. It is. I think mostly we're supposed to plan on closing our eyes and calling and. You know, crying a little bit and hoping it's okay. Pretty much any non-diamond river, right? Yeah. If he if he bombs a diamond, we probably have to fold. Absolutely. But besides that, like I don't want. I think we're just gonna have to call most most rivers. What about a nine? Ugh. Um, 
That sucks because he's almost certainly going to bet big. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're only getting half the pot if we call. We can probably justify a fold. Yeah. Anyway, these other other hero spots, we get the full pot. The river's a bricky, bricky brick. Three of spades. Okay. Well, we have a plan. See, let's see what happens. Bryn's going to keep on firing, of course. Of course he is. Man, he's like, fold your fucking kings, yeah. right? Yeah. God damn it, fold them. That must be what he's targeting, kings kings probably, and queens mostly. I bet you he was really rooting for a diamond on the river, too. Yeah. You know, he's like, come on, make it easier. <laughs> a diamond will always get through, or an ace. Maybe an ace a jack. Would, yeah, jack. He probably would have felt great about a jack. Yeah. River's the three of spades. Kenny bets 147K, so he doesn't go for the whole thing. But he goes is, for most of it. Yeah. I like that sizing. So do you think this is just a, it's Bryn Kenny, I have to close my eyes and call thing? I think I, yeah, we called the turn, right? I know we, we had nine, eight, 9% to improve, but besides that, like we know we mostly don't improve. Yeah. So we can't just fold every time we don't improve and he bombs it. He's mostly going to bomb it. We know that. We can't just fold 91% of the time when we call on the turn. That's just not going to work. So we have to call with some hands. This is a pretty good hand to call. No, I guess I'm, that's, I'm sort of conflating two things when I say that, right? Because mm. 91% of the time, we always have jack tech. Yeah. So um, I think this is like distribution-wise just a, a pretty clear call. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the decision was made on the turn. And this, yeah. is, this is an old school poker argument that used to be made among good players that is no longer made because, you know, new poker tech is out there and... Like the idea of the board not changing from one street to the next is never a good argument for making the same decision you made previously. Right. Right. Even though that used to be an argument that people made all the time because you get, you get new data, you get new information, the distribution that you're supposed to continue with changes, et cetera. That said, this is a spot where that holds true. I think. Well, I mean, we're only, we can't just call the turn and like, we have to have a plan when we call the turn, like, like we said on the turn, right? Which is like, what are we doing on brick rivers? Right. So our brick, the brick river came, so the thing didn't change, but like our plan continues. Like, so mostly we should be calling since that was our plan. Unless we have a really good reason to change our plan. And I don't, can't come up with any good reason. Bryn Kenny bet big that we knew that was coming most of the time. Right. Yeah. Either he has it or he doesn't. Either way, he's going to bet big. And so the brick came, it wasn't a diamond. If, you know, if, if the, if a Jack or 10 came, it would have been awesome, but that mostly wasn't going to happen. So I think we just have to call. I think so, too. And, and with all that said, the diamond is important because we can construct a bluffing range. We can think of bluffs that make sense, right? Yeah. So that makes it a lot easier, too. It's not like, well, we just have to put him on being Bryn Kenny and deciding that it's a call. No, he actually has reasonable bluffs. Absolutely. Like, he easily could have the nut flush right. He could have ace five of diamonds yeah. the whole way, right? Yep. And that makes perfect sense. And I believe Bryn Kenny would play that hand just like this and a lot of other aces like Yeah, that. I'd like to see Bryn Kenny wriggle his way out of this one. And he successfully wriggles his way out of this one. Of course he does. Yeah. So Brandon Steven called the turn to make the full house, I guess, or hope that Brent Kenny shut down, which is going to happen sometimes yeah. too, right? Brent's not always going to triple barrel. But that's probably not enough. Like you're no, Brandon not- Steven is supposed to call, but he does fold. Yeah. And Brent Kenny, Brent Kenny's it. Like I said, man, Brent Kenny always gets away with this stuff. They always fold and he never has it. Always call. I guess that's the plan. Yeah. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm going to be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.